Okay, so... I've been meaning to work on this episode for a while to record it, and I've been putting it off till now because I knew that I would go on really crazy tangents that would just bounce from one topic to another because it is a few topics that can just dovetail into wild ideas that intertwine or influence and yet contradict each other all at the same time. But I'm going to attempt to muse about some deep topics here like the significance of dreams, time, the universe, alternate dimensions and I just want to preface and warn you the listener or maybe just uh, hold myself accountable here or, or whatnot but I'm not a physicist a scientist mathematician or or any of that I can only speak theoretically and philosophically as just a man who's simply curious about the nature of things. And like I say, I may jump around from topic to topic, so buckle up, get your loaf of bread, and hope we have enough breadcrumbs to get home. So here we go, we're just going to jump right into it. The universe. The entirety of all galaxies, stars, planets, uh, asteroids, you know, everything that, that encompasses all of existence, at least as we know it. It seems like every few years, I'll hear scientists proclaim that the universe is constantly expanding and at a rapid pace, and that it'll never stop. But then the next year I'd hear a scientist or a group of scientists proclaim, well, the rate of expansion might actually be slowing down. So it's it's like the scientific community says one thing, and then they do some more things. It's like, well, hold on, we might want to second-guess what we said last year, so... Some say the universe is flat, or that it's a sphere. You know, there's a lot that can be learned from observing it with, you know, powerful telescopes, infrared and ultraviolet imaging, and I'm not taking away anything from that. But, you know, at some point, Leif Erikson, Christopher Columbus, pick your explorer, You have to actually go there, and part of that will almost certainly include figuring out how to get there. Our, our closest planet that offers any semblance of some sort of inhabitability is Mars. 
a dead planet that is missing an atmosphere, and we'll and we'll have to have artificial settlements built with supplies shipped from Earth to sustain the people working there until they can figure out a way to terraform the planet, hopefully, and reintroduce watery greenery and an atmosphere. And Mars isn't exactly easy for us to get to. The distance from Earth to Mars is about 300 million miles, which would take about seven months for a spacecraft to reach. Assuming you successfully get the ship past the Earth's atmosphere, which is its own challenge in and of itself, you've got a number of variables to consider. If you're sending people, which is the idea that I'm talking about here, not sending, you know, remote-controlled probes, which don't, don't get me wrong, it's cool that we're able to do that, but the idea is to try to send people. You have to consider that you have to design a craft that not only has enough fuel to make the trip there, but supplies for the astronauts, health and fitness equipment for the astronauts because of the effects of space on human bone density and muscles, you also need the equipment necessary to begin constructing a settlement once you land. I'm sure there's a host of other things to consider, like emergency repairs if a small object undetected by NASA or SpaceX hits the ship on the way. If you've never seen the movie The Martian with Matt Damon, I recommend it. It's a good movie, and with the exception of a couple of things, the science is actually pretty accurate. That seems to be the common consensus, um, at least as of a couple years ago. But in the movie, the size of the ship that goes to Mars is massive compared to the shuttle that got us to the moon. It had to be. In part because of the reasons I just went over. And more. So you run into this problem of in order to make these longer distance voyages with people, you have to build larger and larger craft. And you're doing this all on a gamble. Again, I for one hope we do terraform Mars, but it may turn out that we can't. And the closest other planets that might be inhabitable for us with land, water, and an atmosphere, and fingers crossed oxygen, is well outside our our, uh, our solar system. I think the closest one is four light years away. I might be remembering that wrong. But we don't currently have the ability to travel at the speed of light. Because if we could travel at the speed of light, it would take us four years to get there. So if we were to send people there, it, we'd have to build such a ship that it would be a colony itself and its children or grandchildren may be the ones that begin colonizing the planet that the ship's on its way to. But what if there was another way? Could the bending of space and time be another way to cover these distances? The idea that comes to mind, and I know I'm not going to explain it very well, but it's that you have two points say on a piece of paper. You got point A and you have point B. 
The paper is space. Point A will say is Earth, and point B is just your given destination. The oversimplified idea is that you would bend the piece of paper, or in this metaphor, space, and shorten the distance between the two points. How would we produce that? I have no clue. Some think that black holes are able to do that. And speaking of black holes, I've also heard that black holes keep all of their consumed content until they die. Quote-unquote die. So imagine something going into a black hole. What happens is that when something goes into it, it keeps dividing and dividing itself down to the atomic level. So imagine if you jumped into a black hole feet first. Since your feet went in first, they are eventually going to travel faster than your upper body. So for example's sake, the speed would eventually get to the point where your two halves, the speed, the, the speed difference would be great enough that you would physically split, let's say at the waist, just to keep it simple, with your torso, arms, and head being one half and your legs being the other half. Your halves would keep splitting into smaller and smaller halves all the way down to the atomic level. Now here's where I said that these ideas link back to each other. Remember how I said not just a few minutes ago that some people think that the universe is constantly expanding? Is the universe inside a black hole of such a scale that everything is pulling apart? What if the Big Bang is the result of a black hole, one of incomprehensible size, regurgitating its contents, forming the universe? But yet that would be a previous black hole, and we would be in yet another one. See how it's getting confusing like for me. And for fun's sake, let's assume this to be the case. And that this cycle constantly repeats itself over the course of billions, trillions, or even higher number scales. In a previous iteration, was there an Earth? Did we humans come into existence in a previous cycle? Did we do history exactly the same way as it has occurred for us as we know it? Or was it slightly different? There's a really cool metaphor for time that I read in a fantasy book. That time was like an hourglass. The end result is always the same. But the grains of sand don't fall in the same order every time the hourglass is turned over. Now, people like to use World War II analogies when it comes to time travel and, you know, changing uh, the course of events. Um, but let me try to, I will, I'll use World War II, but let me try to give it at least a slightly different twist. So if the hourglass turned over again, let's say that the grain of sand that is the events of World War II, since the grains of sand, now that the hourglass is turned over, aren't falling in the same order, the events of World War II may have occurred 50 years 
earlier or later. Or maybe Heinrich Himmler was the Fuhrer and Adolf Hitler was the number two guy. Another timeline might have seen different people in the concentration camps instead of the Jews. But the point is that an event like that is a grain of sand that must pass in the hourglass to get to whatever the end result of all the grains of sand being poured is. And what awaits us, what awaits existence at the end of the hourglass, to keep with that metaphor. That, to me, falls into the same category or ballpark, if you will, as what is the meaning of life, which I don't have the answer for, but something that comes to mind, and it's a bit corny, but bear with me, the life is but a dream piece or portion of the row your boat song comes to mind, which if you think about it, that children's song has much deeper meaning than you might initially think. You know, because it's a kid's song, and you kind of just dismiss it as such and don't think on it. But row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. You could interpret the boat to be you, and the stream, or river, as your life. You have to row gently down the stream, but you have to go down the stream, but gently, because if you row too erratically, if you're not balanced, if you're applying too much force on the left or right side, you might crash into the shore, or worse, depending on how the waters are in that particular part of the stream, you could turn your boat over, and even worse, you could drown have to be somewhat conscious about the way you move your boat so that you don't find yourself stuck or you get yourself turned around and you're looking behind but your life your boat is still moving forward and you're not properly steering because you're looking back anyway that's my little metaphor I guess about let's just say living in our waking life our waking life, but what about our sleeping selves? You know, when our our bodies are in that deep REM sleep. I think it's the REM sleep. The point is, is when we're dreaming. And we dream up things that are just totally bizarre or beautiful, hilarious or terrifying. What do they mean? Or here's another question. Why is it that some people find the answer to some deep question, whether it's philosophical or or some other problem, why is it sometimes people find the answer in a dream? It's kind of like you know it, but you don't know it. Or at least yet, because you haven't unlocked it. I don't even know if that's the right metaphor or phrasing. I remember a family member of mine, I won't say uh, who because I don't 
want to give them unwanted attention without them being okay with it. But and it, I mean, it's not it's not that bad. Uh, called me and asked me about the significance or meaning of dreams, and it cracks me up because it was just at a random time of the day. And I remember asking, "Well, what was your dream about?" It was about piloting some new form of aircraft, and I want to say there was like some sort of conflict going on, like some war or something. And I've wondered about that for a while. You know, dreams dreams can be your body's way of telling you something. In this particular instance, the new aircraft could have been a new job or pursuing a new job. You're venturing or preparing to venture into new territory, and that can be dangerous because you don't know what dangers could be there. Because you haven't been there, obviously. The dream, in this case, is, in my opinion, and that's all it is, is my opinion, is saying, be careful. Because you don't, you know, you don't know anything. You're, you don't know very much about it. That doesn't mean don't do it. Just be cautious until you get accustomed to it. But what else about dreams? Besides the portion of dreams informing us about our own lives. Can dreams be more than that? Some people like to think, can, can dreams sometimes be portals? or uh, glimpses of alternate dimensions. Again, if so, that can be both terrifying and amazing, depending on the dream. I guess if it's terrifying, in that case, it would be a nightmare. But what if dreams are, are glimpses into alternate realities, or are sort of a meeting ground for realities. There's a decent movie. It, it was made, you could tell when you watch it, it was made on the cheap, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it's called Out of Mind. You can find it on YouTube. It's only 56 minutes long. And minor spoiler, but it touches on this a little bit. So the main character, uh, who's named Carter, whose name is Carter, yeah, uh, his part of the story, he's, it's set in 1997. He comes into the possession of a book called the Necronomicon, which is just a book of forbidden knowledge. And he begins to have weird dreams where he's living out the life of his long-deceased uncle. Which, wouldn't that be something where if you... That makes me want. That makes me think of that. Uh, uh, I think they call it like gene memory, where the memories of our ancestors are still embedded in us. Maybe that could speak to something about dreams. But anyway, uh, that's again another tangent I'd be going on. Uh, meanwhile, so Carter is in the ni- 1990s. Meanwhile, again in the movie in the 1930s, the author H.P. Lovecraft who first came up with the Necronomicon as a work of fiction. And H.P. Lovecraft was a real author who did come up with the Necronomicon, but again, it's a work of fiction. But for movie's sake, 
he begins to have peculiar dreams. And towards the end of the movie, Carter in the 90s and Lovecraft in the 30s both fall asleep and meet in the dream world. In this sense, the dream world is a place where time doesn't necessarily matter. You can fall asleep in your time and run into someone who's been long dead for you but happened to fall asleep in, in their present and whatever necessary sync needed to happen that links you two together happens. The kicker is, when you if you watch the film, they... They both know that they're dreaming. But I just found that fascinating as the idea that you could meet people from different points in time through dreams. Like, what if you could send messages in time through dreams? Would that change time? Would it create an alternate timeline or dimension? Again, are there alternate dimensions? Or here's a, here's a weird thought. What if time is one long line, but it's not a straight line? And it has an infinite amount of space, let's say, and is able to squiggle forward and backward without ever crossing itself. Thus, there's only one timeline but it revisits its uh, its own past, so to speak, and changes things. Now, again, I don't know anything that I've said up to this point to be true. I'm just thinking out loud, thinking up weird concepts, and it's not to challenge anyone's beliefs. I have my faith that I believe in, but that doesn't mean that I don't still have questions about everything. Which, that's the gift and the curse of us as human beings. It's the ability to think. Some of us don't think enough, while others think too much and have, uh, have trouble turning their minds off. But speaking of turning minds off, I'm going to turn mine off now because I'm already getting thought tired, if that makes sense. So, I hope you enjoyed this little rambling and pondering. Um, if you enjoy this show, please leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It helps me get noticed. And until next time, as always, thanks for listening.